everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. TCU beats Nichols, which is not a state, 41-6. to Obviously, when you play an FCS game, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. You're not exactly sure how you assess yourself going into that game and coming out of it, especially after a disappointing loss. We're going to look at in, we're going to look inside the numbers: third down, fourth down efficiency. Did the frogs have a hard time running the ball? Yes. Were there some highlights that we should celebrate and not uh, piss all over? Absolutely. We're going to get inside of that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, Jeremy, as I said, teeing this off, it is always hard to assess when you're playing an FCS game. You've been covering the Frogs here for many, many years. When you've seen TCU maybe even come off of a big win or a tough loss and then have to roll in to play this this paycheck game, uh, what's it like playing this game, and how do you evaluate whether you saw improvement from a team against an FC, the TCU against an FCS team, considering that sometimes the myth is we're sitting on stuff. We don't want to show everything. How do you evaluate talent on talent? What's kind of your guttural response of evaluating a performance when you're playing a team that has a third of the scholarship, two, two-thirds less scholarships than the Frogs? Well, no, everyone wants to look at it as they're playing Nickel State. They should easily score 67 60 to 70 points and and I and I get that. I mean, you're you're playing a FCS opponent, you want to see your offense light up the scoreboard, you want to see the defense hold the opponent to zero points. Um 41-6 probably about where I expected. I think if you you fix a few things, they had another turnover in the red zone. We saw Josh Hoover fumble to snap. We'll talk about that later. Um but I think overall uh some things that I did like, we saw a better game uh, out of Chandler, the run offense I didn't like at all. I, I thought they took a big step um, with this with this game. I thought the defense for what we wanted them to do, um, they had a big emphasis on making tackles this week, and I don't think you saw anywhere close to twenty plus missed tackles on Saturday night. So I thought they did better there. But it, you're right; it's, it is tough to assess because you're going against a, a lesser talented program and. Um, you expect big wins out of that game. And sometimes, that's what I said on the post game with Jamie last night, sometimes people get caught up in thinking, well, they go into this game, they should win by 50 points, and it almost feels like a loss. But Sonny said it perfectly last night. You, you still scored 41 points. They left some points on the board. And you hold an opponent to six points. They don't score a touchdown, which that's very tough to do no matter what level of football you're playing. So for them to go out there and allow 45 points the week before, obviously against a better Colorado team, and then to come back a week later and, and hold the team to two field goals, um, that, that's a big improvement. But there are some things. There's some major things. Um, I'm, not, I'm not being a sunshine pumper here. There's some major things that I'm still extremely concerned with that, that I'll be completely honest with. I didn't expect to see this early on. Jeremy, why are you a sunshine pupper? Why are you only focusing on what's good? Why can't you be uh, a, a more clear-eyed evaluator of the team? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, I'm impersonating 80% of the members of Horn Frog Blitz. Can you imagine? We come on here and we dog the members of our board every week during football season and still expect them to pay money to, to listen to you, to listen to Jamie, and, and read what you guys write and listen to me ramble on. Um, but, but you still don't even do your job. I don't understand that. Some, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes, you know, you get you get in the heat of battle and you say a lot of things. And it's funny. I'm not going to be Deion Sanders and save the receipts. I'm not going to do all that. But, um, I, you know, it's it. I used to be the same way, man. When TCU lost, covering the team, it just used to ruin my weekend. And 
I tell everyone now, it just it, it just doesn't ruin my weekend anymore. It doesn't it doesn't make my Sundays terrible and I don't know. I, I get it. I love the passion because if guys weren't passionate, they wouldn't be um, listening to us and they wouldn't be members of Horn Frog Blitz. So I appreciate everyone's input. Um, but also at the same time, I don't like people dogging some of the things we say because, or I say, not necessarily you, because I, I wasn't living in a mirage. I did see a lot of good things in fall camp um, and not just myself. Other people in the media saw the same things and, um, I'll say it like I said last week, Jeff. There's still a lot of football left. There's still 10 games. There's already craziness happening around in college football. Um, and we'll talk about later the team that everyone thought TCU should have beat by 20 points last week. Lo and behold, they're 2-0 and right now, and they're the talk of college football. They are the talk of college football. We we will get to that. I have a, another group text with a bunch of friends from other uh, other fan bases, and I basically said, "Hey guys, I'm sorry. The Dion train has, has taken off, and you can blame us for not being able to score a variety of times when we were in the red zone. But uh, that's a good team. That's a good team. So we'll get into that in a second. All right, let's get inside of the. Let's get inside here. I'm going to throw you uh, about half a dozen statistics over the big chunk of our of our conversation here today. So let's start with this. 26 out of 30. That's Chandler Morris's uh, completions. He threw 20 he threw 30 passes and completed 26. You said before we recorded this is the third best completion percentage for a TCU quarterback in the, in the history of the program. We're talking obviously, we're talking Max, we're talking Andy Dalton, we're talking Trevon Boykin, Kenny Hill, Going back to a few legends like Davey O'Brien, Sammy Ball, uh, the third best completion percentage, 26 out of 30. Uh, riff on that as well as your assessment of Chandler's performance in this game because two he should have had two more. There were two drops, especially early in the game. That first drive we had a couple of drops. This could have just as easily have been 28 out of 30. So how do you feel about Chandler Morris after week two? I feel great. I mean, I think anyone that watched that game, the only people that – could think negatively on how Chandler played just don't like Chandler and then and they're never gonna like Chandler there's just they're they're gonna they're gonna stand on that soapbox they're gonna die on that hill saying Chandler Morris is not a good quarterback but I'm gonna tell you right now he looked really well he looked really good throwing the football um the two drops he had that you mentioned early on right in the hands of Jalen Robinson I think Everhart was the other one other drop early in the game um but he threw the ball where receivers could catch it now if you're talking about the overall scope of being a quarterback, you want to have more throws downfield. You want to see more vertical passes. But I thought there was a few passes. He had a nice 24-yarder to J.P. Richardson that was on the money. He had a nice 28-yarder to uh, Warren Thompson, who, by the way, had a pretty big game at receiver um, for them. That was a, a perfect shot right down the middle. So, obviously, the decision-making was a lot better throwing the football. We didn't see the craziness, um, ball selling over uh, receivers' heads uh, with, with – no chance to catch him whatsoever, uh, and I liked I liked that the fact that he he tucked the ball and he ran a lot. That thirty two yard touchdown was really just gave me memories of Max. You know, it, it, he's he's not Max straight line speed, but Chandler certainly didn't look slow on that play. And I thought that um, one of the things that they needed to do better this week was letting him run the football. And that big fourth and four play that he had late in the, or uh, early in the I think it was second quarter. I can't remember what quarter it was. But anyhow, helmet pops off and we see Josh come in. But I, I thought that was a pretty big run for him, helped his confidence. And 
he said after the game, uh, and I talked about this last night too, that his his confidence um, wasn't really there a whole lot with with running. There's there's a mental block when you have certain injuries and you come back from them. And I've talked to a ton of strength coaches, head football coaches, assistant coaches about this that. Sometimes when kids have major injuries like that, they never return to the same form because they're always worried it's going to happen again. Myself, when you, I tore – You've said it was mental, not physical. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, personally speaking, you know, when I tore my Achilles, it was it was the worst injury I ever had. But eight months later, I'm out there playing adult flag football in the city of Fort Worth. I catch a pass and I start running. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking – it's about to pop again. It's going to pop. I run out of bounds. My friends say, are you okay? I handed them the football and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It, it was that because the mental state of just thinking something like that's going to happen again. And maybe I'm weak. Maybe I have a weak mental mind. Maybe I need to go see the guy Chandler's talking to. But um, but that's, that's big for me to see him running around and making plays with his feet because that's what this offense is. It's an offense that is designed – to let the quarterback throw, but to also make plays with your feet. And any anywhere Kendall Browse has been, his quarterbacks have always been successful doing both those things. So I thought Chandler took a huge step up from uh, Colorado. Obviously, you're you're playing a, a lesser talented defense, but what he was expected to do, he accomplished. That's that's the best way I can say it. Um, he didn't he didn't throw for 400 yards, but we wanted to see him throw catchable balls this week. He made good decisions. He made plays with his feet. That were the, that those were some of the things TCU fans wanted to see him do, and he did all those things. I think this game's going to be a a big confidence booster for him, much like last year when Max went out through five touchdown passes against Tarleton. That was a huge confidence booster for him as well. So I think this type of game can help Chandler down the road. Well, you referenced when he, you know he had that run. He got his helmet ripped off down there in the red zone. Uh, they 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 could have spent a timeout in order to uh, take him uh, to to bring him back in, but you have to sit out one play if you don't take that timeout. Josh Hoover comes in, and and things do not go as planned. So you know we're talking about uh, Chandler and how we both feel like he took strides. Like this was a this is a building block of success going forward down to Houston next weekend. Uh, what you, what you think of Josh? Because that was a really tough. You talk about psychological impact. Uh, or, or do we need to uh, have a, the same therapist come in and talk with Josh Hoover? Because that's heck of a way to kick off your college career. I felt bad for the kid, and at the same time, well, welcome uh, to Division One football. Honestly, I, I put a check mark next to the things I was wrong about Colin that I've created um, about you know <laughs> this whole season so far. But no, I'm just kidding. You know it. it I felt bad for Josh because, you know, I could tell he was nervous. I mean, obviously anyone watching that game knew he was nervous. And um, he took the snap, dropped it, and then, you know, you throw your first pass and it's intercepted. The adrenaline was there for him. But I think once he got in there that late drive, he throws that great ball to to Rodgers on the sideline. Then he comes back and throws a perfect route to Jordan Bailey, who I'll talk about later on. And he, he runs it in for a score. But – we, you know, we asked we asked Sonny about that play in particular. I did in particular, um, what the situation was right there, and and he said it was a situation where yeah they could have called a timeout, but at the same time you kind of want to see what Josh does, and that's that's the good thing about these games. And I and, and I and I understand. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rambling on. I, I know people want to see these games be sixty to six, these high scoring games, whatever. Leave no doubt. Blah blah blah. 
But these are also the type of games where there was never a doubt TCU was going to win or lose that game. Okay, there was never a doubt. These are these games that, and I'm not necessarily saying they're hiding things because I know people get, you know, kind of crazy hearing that you're hiding the offense. They're, they they've got a lot of things, but I do I do feel like they were running a very simple offense because, and I do feel like they did some things that they probably wouldn't do in a game against Baylor or a game against Texas. They're going to experiment. If that if if that game was in the same situation and you're playing Texas, 150% Sonny Dykes calls the timeout and lets Chandler come back in there. There's no there's no chance we see Josh Hoover take that snap at that point of the game. But in a situation like this when you're playing a lesser opponent and you know you can do some things, you could try a lot of different things, it's a perfect time for him to come in there and and see what he can do. And I, I didn't fault them for that. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not going to be mad because TCU scored one less touchdown. I, I didn't have any money on the game. I didn't bet any money. I don't care how. Buddy, if you're betting FCS games, get a life. <laughs> well, I, I think some of the people that get pissed off about the scores are the guys that bet a lot of money on these games. But if you're taking betting advice from degenerates like us, please seek help. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't don't take any betting advice from me. I think I lost a. I think I caused three divorces last week. So um, it's a uh, it's 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 a game that you're you're gonna experiment and see some things. And and unfortunately for Josh, he didn't start out great, but he finished strong. And I still feel like he's gonna be a really good player for them down the line. Well, we talk about Chandler and his ability to go twenty six to thirty should have been higher. He was distributing to, in a sense, a whole different set of receivers this game than he did the week before. And so we see Jordan Bailey, who we need to highlight, is uh, Amani Bailey's little brother. I think they're both out of Denton Ryan. And uh, we see Thompson, who was a transfer in from Arkansas. We saw Robinson, who we know has taken that circuitous route. Or uh, uh, He was, I believe, at Oklahoma and then at Old – no, he was at Ole Miss and UCF and uh, then came back to Fort Worth and had played high school football there. And so – what I didn't see was Savian Williams. I didn't see Dalen Wright. I saw uh, J.P. Richardson. I think three snaps. I know he caught a pass. I know he lined up to block. I know he. I know he didn't take ten snaps. What was uh, What was the reason that we had a couple of receivers out? Why did we play Richardson uh, not as much? And then how can you? Uh, was that an intentional to get these new weapons into the offense? Because to be honest, a couple of them I was like. Well, I sure would have liked to see them against Colorado. So, what, what's with the shakeup on the quarterback or with the wide receiver room? And what did you see that you like? And maybe what are some things of concern? Well, I mean, Savion's been battling a hamstring all fall camp. He's he's been limited, and I and I was very open about that during all my fall camp practice reports that he would go through individual drills, but he wouldn't really do a whole lot of team stuff. I don't know if that's a lingering thing. There's been some talk that he was sick. I know during the week. Um, Dalen Wright got a little banged up. It, it's nothing serious. I think if this would have been a bigger opponent, he probably would have been out there playing. Um, J.P. Richardson, he was same kind of situation. I didn't even know if he was going to play or not. Um, I was told he was going to play, but it was going to be pretty limited. And I didn't know it was going to be for three plays or however many plays he played. But, you know, it did give those guys, those younger guys, an opportunity to step up. We got to see Jalen Robinson a little bit. That's that's one thing I will say about Chandler. The only, the only mistake that I can think of off the top of my head, he had Jalen Robinson streaking down the left sideline wide open, I think, in the fourth quarter. And, and everyone in the stadium, I think, saw it. And, and this is when he threw it 
over the middle to JoJo Earl. I think it was a completion of JoJo. It was good, and it made a first down. But Jalen was running behind the defensive back by about five yards, and Chandler just didn't see him. But I thought Jalen brings a different dimension to the team. Um, he's obviously a speed guy. He's not your typical six foot three, six foot four X receiver that they have um, that Sonny Dykes likes to have in his offense. But he is a he is a guy that could take the top off the defense, and and I think that we're going to start to see a little bit more of that. Jordan Bailey, Jordan Bailey is a guy that Sonny talked about a few times during fall camp. He's fast, man. I mean, he he's always been a fast kid. That was one of the biggest reasons why he went to TCU is because he went to a camp and ran a four three eight, and they immediately offered. And then once Amani Bailey came to uh you know decided to transfer to TCU it was a no-brainer for him to to follow in his brother's footsteps but I I think he's an explosive playmaker man he's he's made a lot of good plays in fall camp and I think we're going to continue to see him get more touches and that's something I asked Sonny last night if 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 you know he felt like Jordan's starting to do enough to where they start to trust him a little bit more to make some plays and I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be the next Cavante Turpin or Darius Davis but he has those flashes in him I think he does have that playmaking ability where if he gets on the edge and gets on the perimeter he's he's going to be outrunning a lot of defensive folks so I'm really excited about him and I, I Warren Thompson man Warren Thompson is a guy that I, I really didn't expect a, a whole lot from him I, I thought he was going to be a guy that nice receiver nice experience he knows Kendall Browse he knows the offense He'll be he'll be a possession type receiver, but man, I'm telling you, he he's he's shown me a little bit through fall camp. Obviously, he led the team last night in receiving with nine catches, but I thought it was great. Again, this is the this is the game you do those things, Jeff. You want to see what you got, and uh, unfortunately for some, I know they wanted to see Hoover play an entire second half. They wanted to rest all the starters by halftime, and Nickel State did a good job hanging around. And there were some things that just small little things that could still be fixed, like running to the sticks on a pivotal fourth down or running upfield after you catch the ball. Um, little things, penalties, um, not creating running lanes. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, I, I felt like the receivers having a chance to step up, some of those younger guys, and not even younger guys, but veterans like Jalen Robinson and, and Warren Thompson stepping up just adds, adds more uh, weapons to your arsenal. So I, I think it's going to be um, pretty good for uh, TCU's offense moving forward. Well, let's look at another set of numbers here. I want you to comment on uh, game plan and execution. Third down, the Frogs were 4 of 12. Fourth down, the Frogs were 2 of 4. That f- only getting 4 out of 12 third downs, that's going to put you in a bad spot when you're on the road. You're on the road in Manhattan. You're, you're playing in, in Norman. You're playing at home against Texas, let alone a, a salty team like, yes, SMU or a, a West Virginia. What was your take on third down play calling and execution? Because I've got some, I got some reservations there on both play calling as, as well as executions that I think you share. Yeah, the <clears throat> I'll start with the execution part. Um, receivers got to know where the sticks are. I think anyone watching that game, you, you have to know where your sticks are, whether it was Jack Bash, whether it was Warren Thompson. I think there was another time Major Everhart caught caught the ball short of the first down. They're getting completions. They're they're making plays and everyone wants to blame coach and I get it, but you still have to you still have to know what you're doing on the field. If you're a college athlete, Jeff, you're playing at the P five level, 
and it's third and six, you know how far to take your route. You don't have to have Malcolm Kelly or Doug Meacham over there saying, hey, buddy, make sure you go to the first down markers now, okay? You don't have to have that. These guys are playing at the highest level of college football. They don't need anyone telling them how to do it. They should know how to do it themselves. So I'm not going to – I'm not going to blame the coaches for one second, even though I'm sure people are pulling out their hair right now wanting to blame the coaches for everything. There's a couple things that I would do different if I was Kendall Browse, but again, I'm going back to the to the word experiment. I'm going back I'm going to keep going back to that word. This this game is the game where you can try different things to see if they work or they don't work. I know fans want to see the 60 points. I get it. I get it. But because if it, the the fourth and two calls or the fourth and short, I wasn't a big fan of throwing the backward pass. <laughs> I'm just not going to lie. The bubble pass, I, I want them to really take that play, take it out of the offense because I really haven't I haven't seen it be successful yet. Um, and part of that is execution because you don't have your receivers downfield blocking. Savion Williams isn't in there. He's your best blocker. You probably don't want to call a bubble to the side where Jalen Robinson's trying to block. Or Warren Thompson's not a really good blocker. He's a big body kid, but he's not a really good blocker right now. So those plays were dead in the water. Um, and I, I, I'm going to get on my soapbox here too. Jamie and I are not cowards for not asking Sonny Dykes what he thinks about that call. We don't get mad like you guys. We're not raging mad going into the press room. Sonny, what do you think about Kendall calling those backwards passes on fourth and two? How stupid is he? Well, you know, Jeremy, he's stupid. He's stupid for making – no, the coach isn't going to say that. And I know you guys get pissed off and you want to rage and pound on your keyboard or on your Blame the media. Blame the media. (laughs) You're pounding on the keyboard or pounding on your on your iPhone screen or some of you older guys, Androids. I switched to iPhone not too long ago, so I'm not going to talk too much. Oh, about. good, good. Now we're talking. Yeah. So, I, I get it. But, guys, Sonny, Sonny Docs is not going to go in there and say, you know, I was – you know, I, I, I hated Kendall for calling those plays. You know, he's – He's going to answer some things, and I and I asked him, I, especially the one about the when helmet popped off Chandler's head. I said, Coach, why, what was the situation there? Why did y'all not have a timeout? And he answered it, but he's not going to throw his coach under the bus because he doesn't like a couple play calls. That's that's for the fans to do. He's he's not going to do that. He will say, I want receivers to catch the ball I want them to execute better run better routes I want my offensive line to block better I didn't think they did a very good job tonight but he's not going to say well I don't think Kendall Browse did a very good job tonight I don't he's not he's not going to say that. he's not going to throw his coach under the bus but those those things for me um I, I was real and I'm real concerned with the third down conversions 412 is not good at all especially against uh, an FCS opponent but again small minor things can change that you run an extra two steps get past the sticks catch the ball or you catch the ball and you turn and run up field jeff see that's what you know football is north and south not east and west you catch and turn and run south or north north or south and you get your first down i'm not going to blame kendall browse for that i'm not going to blame malcolm kelly for that that is 100 percent on your four-year senior receiver that doesn't know where the sticks are so you've, you've got those small, minor things to fix, and they'll be fine, just like we saw with the defense. Defense knew 
hey, man, we've got to tackle. We've got to tackle better. We've got to have an emphasis on tackling. We've got to gang tackle. We've all got to fly to the ball. And it was a lot better that we saw this week. So I think you'll start to see these minor adjustments getting better each week. And hopefully, starting with Houston this upcoming week, we start to see the Frogs execute a little bit better on those long conversions. You know, I have a text thread with uh, three other dear friends, and one of them, he has an Android, and he is the constant bane of our existence in that thread. So I know you listen to the Frogcast. Richmond, get an iPhone. Please, get an iPhone, buddy. Um, speaking of things that, that we need progress on, let's just put it delicately there. Let's use a, 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 a good language, positive language. Frogs rush for 129 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. And what became clear to me is we have one running back. Trey Sanders is not uh, – we all knew he wasn't a four-down, a three-down back. Uh, he's not a back for more than three yards. He's a three-yard back. And Bailey, you know, if he gets a, if he gets cramps or, you know, he's got to come out or he gets banged up for one player for one game or for a couple of games, I mean, that is the weakest position on the field in terms of depth. You talked at the beginning of the season that this team may not have the – the, the first or second round draft pick, but the depth across the board is better than last year. That's not true at running back. I think that has been revealed this season. So what, what's your feedback on the, our inability to run the ball as well as the lack of, you know, so let, let's take a minute and throw the offensive line under the bus and talk about the lack of depth at running back. Yeah, that's that was one area where I felt um, really disappointed in the way the offensive line played. They, they were having trouble on the left side. Let's be honest. I mean, Coker was having some issues with the guy he was blocking. I don't think they gave up any sacks again, but there was there were several hurries. But the run game, not creating some run lanes against against Nichols, is very eye opening because you rush for two sixty two the week before, and you take away Stanler's chats or chats stats, which you're not supposed to. He rushed for them, but. You take those stats away, and the rushing yardage looks even worse. So I think the offensive line has got to do a better job creating run lanes like everyone else. I saw the same thing up there. They were kind of getting handed to them by the defensive line, and I I don't think there was any kind of vanilla play calling with with the the run plays. I think they wanted to run the football. I think Imani Bailey ran hard for what he was able to get. Um, the guy wants to score every time he touches the ball. It's very evident. Uh, and he runs hard. But, man, there was just sometimes he'd take the handoff, he'd run into a wall. He'd run into the back of his lineman because they were getting stood up. So that was very concerning for me because you've got one of the bigger offensive line, uh, offensive line units in the nation, and you're playing against a smaller opponent, and you're just not – you're just not doing very good running the football. Running back depth was something that I was always concerned with, and that's you know when I did the uh, five-question swap with Adam from our Colorado side, and he asked where the weakness was. I said it's running back depth. I mean, they have they have Amani Bailey. I think Trey Sanders is that short yardage guy. But beyond that, you have Trent Battle, you have Corey Wren, and you have Cameron Cook. Cameron Cook hasn't played the first two games of the year. He got banged up late in fall camp and and hasn't been able to go so Amani Bailey as much as I love that guy I don't think you can get through a season with just one true running back so I'm 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 not uh surprised that 
Coach Jones has gone out and got Jeremy Payne and Nate Palmer to come in next year to kind of help solidify that group because those two guys are explosive types. And I think if Cameron Cook was healthy right now, we'd be seeing a lot of Cameron Cook, but we're just we're just not seeing that. But um, Trey, Trey, I, I would agree with you, Jeff. I think he is more of the short yardage guy, but I will say he had the play of the night last night. I didn't think he had that hurdling. That uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, he he got up on that play, man. I, I didn't think he had it in him, but um, that was great athleticism for him. And I think it was another – we didn't see a lot of them because I don't think we needed to. It's it's. I hate saying it. People are getting mad about me saying it. It's it's one of those games where you can offer load management to guys, where you don't have to have certain players. You don't have to have your Savion Williams. You don't have to have your Dalen Wright. And Trey Sanders is kind of in that same category. If there's anything that's nagging at them, this is the game to let them sit, get out, and just walk on the sidelines the whole time. You can suit up. But we're not going to let you come in. And if you come in, it's going to be very minimal. And I think that's kind of where JP and, and Trey Sanders fell in. That it's it's a perfect game to uh, work on your load management for some of these players. Well, I think we're of one accord on that. I was not pleased with the offensive line. Like you said, that left side of that offensive line, uh, no wonder Andrew Coker got called for that hold because if he wasn't holding, he was getting pistol whipped. He had a, he had a nice nice big run by Bailey that was called back on that hold. But, you know, we got to be able to improve running the ball and we got to be able to make do with the guys that we have. For, hopefully Cook can get a little healthier. I don't know if he's going to be back at all at, or at any point this season. I'm sure they want to preserve that red short or if at all possible, but we might need him, especially with those two hosses coming in uh, next fall. Well, let's 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 do two more things in terms of uh, uh, some stats that stuck out to me. Six points. Frogs didn't allow a touchdown. They didn't. They didn't let anybody in the end zone at all for for Nichols. I felt better about the defense. Obviously, they didn't give up a touchdown, just two field goals. They did tackle a little bit better. I wish we would have gotten a little more pressure on the quarterback. I felt like, as you said, you and Jamie were talking. Man, that quarterback broke containment. I felt like he had way way too much time. And, you know, if you want to talk about a bend but don't break defense, that's what I felt like I saw from the Frog defense. Uh, what, what's your what's your final assessment on the Frogs? They did just give up six. They didn't give up a touchdown. But I, stood, I, saw, I saw too many points of concern. Yeah, they didn't give up a touchdown. Um, I did not like the sequence toward the end of the first half where Nichols had – I believe three third and long situations and they converted all three of them. Uh, I, I positives first. I was impressed with the improvement on tackling. We didn't see a whole lot of uh, missed tackles, which I thought there's still some guys out there that are diving at legs that are missing some guys. And I think we all know who that was in, in one particular sequence. Um, but overall, I felt like the defense knew their assignments. I'm still, I'm still extremely, extremely concerned about the pass rush. Uh, Dom had a sack early in the game, but really we didn't see any kind of pass rush for the next two quarters until Nichols' uh, next to final drive. They ended up getting two sacks. You had a sack from Michael, and then you had a sack from uh, Marcus Dill and and and, and uh, Debru, who combined on the sack. So. Other than that, you really didn't get a lot of pressure. And like you mentioned, Jeff, there were several times where 
they're crashing in so hard, and that quarterback was just able to escape, roll left or roll right, use his feet. And I don't care who you are. If you're, if, if, if you're a quarterback and you're playing college football and you have five seconds to throw or even six seconds to throw, you're going to find someone that's wide open. I felt like the secondary did about as good as they could trying to cover those guys for the, the longer extended uh, period of time. But there's just, there's just some times where there's going to be guys that come open when you have that much time to throw. So I think the, the biggest concerns that I had coming into the season, running back depth and the defensive line, the defensive line is still very, very worrisome to me because the first two weeks, I'm I'm not seeing it right now. I I don't know how they're going to be able to compete against some of these offensive lines that are much bigger, much more experienced, and against skill guys that are going to. I mean, Colorado had some really really good skill guys, but Big Twelve is loaded every week with with teams that have fast quarterbacks, fast running backs, and fast receivers, and big offensive lines. So that's something that really concerns me right now is the lack of pass rush. Well, honoring all of those concerns, here's a couple of stats in terms of what some uh, other teams did against uh, FCS teams. Boston College gave up 28 to Holy Cross and almost lost. Georgia Tech gave up 13 to South Carolina State. Clemson gave up 17 to Charleston Southern, which I didn't even know existed. Kentucky gave up 17 against Eastern Kentucky. BYU gave up 16 to uh, Southern Utah. And Miami, this is the most embarrassing one, Miami gave up 33 to Texas A&M. So when you get those kind of imbalanced matchups, you can still give up uh, more points than TCU did. And, and I wonder if their hands are like, their fans are like wringing their hands like we are. So uh, it, it is, it is a, it's a game that, just has to happen. It's a financial trans- transaction with these smaller schools to fund their program, and then you get a chance to experiment a little bit and get some new guys out there. That's what it is. It's not a it's not a bad thing when you can experiment and still win by thirty what thirty five points. So I mean that's that's a win. I, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, the last one I want to highlight, it looks as if uh, Griffin Kell has tied the TCU record for the longest field goal, 57 yards, tied a, a couple of legends. You got uh, Jade Nobachrome and you got Michael Reeder. Michael Reeder was an All-American when I was at TCU. So that's uh, that's pretty elite company there. I was glad for Griff to be able to get that, get his head back on him, especially after missing that field goal against Colorado. So good for you, Griffin Kell. I'm glad to see you get that record. Yeah, and that thing – Shoot, man, that probably would have made it from at least sixty-two yards from my angle. I mean, it was still it was still clearing the uprights. Um, but I, I thought special teams—they've been big the first two weeks. You had a blocked field goal last week against Colorado. Then you had the big block by Trent Battle on a punt picked up by Blake Knoll, returned it for a touchdown, first score of the night. Um, I, I guess we should mention that forty-one points is actually thirty-four points for the offense, Jeff. Since one of those touchdowns was obviously a special teams touchdown, but um, you had JoJo Earl who had a 30 yard punt return. I still miss Darius Davis like crazy. Cause Darius Davis, I, I don't think ever let a football drop no matter where he was on the field. The guy always ran to the ball. And I think that's one thing JoJo has to get better at, but I did like his speed on that return, got it out um, to the TCU 45, 30 yards. And, and that actually was his career long as a punt returner. So good, good for him. But yeah, special teams, Tom Riddell's getting the job done, man, the first two weeks. His, his special teams have made plays um, to help to help uh, improve the game. And 
Um, obviously, last week it, it you know helped out a little bit with the block field goal, but I think this this uh, special teams unit is pretty special right now through the first two games. Oh, I agree. He's he's earning his paycheck right now. All right, let's bounce around the rest of the the Big Twelve as well as around college football. Jeremy, how excited are you uh, that Texas Tech and Baylor are combined zero and four? Baylor uh, loses to Utah on a heartbreaking game. I've never seen a game come down to a blown, uh, missed uh, pass interference call in Baylor, but that's what happened. Baylor, I think, kind of got hosed on that last play, but hey, that's the way it rolls. And Tech, man, they had Baylor, they had Oregon on the ropes, but once again, going for two, Joey, it's gonna, it, you, it's gonna catch up with you. So uh, Oregon actually, you know, scored on an interception on the last play of the game for for the cover. So for those of you that do. Uh, uh, a gamble. There was there was somebody somebody that got excited or had their heart broken on that. But let's just contain those two. Let's bracket those two. Tech is 0-2. Baylor is 0-2. I think you and I said at the beginning of the season, Joey McGuire's a good coach and a great guy, but all this hype train is is not uh, going to stand up to the season. Yeah, I love Joey, man. He's he's a he's a good good dude. He's one of the genuine guys, and I think if he is a TCU, fans would love him just as much as Texas Tech Oh, fans absolutely, do. absolutely. Um, but it is good to see Texas Tech 0-2 right now. Um, I think, you know, in in preseason, everyone was talking about, hey, they're going to have this great offense still, but wait till you see the defense. His defense is going to be really improved. And you, you guys want to talk about Joe Gillespie now. You talk about a defensive coordinator that is struggling right now. Look at Texas Tech. Who is it? Is it DeRuiter? Is that DeRuiter. His? Yeah, so – Oh, the puff pieces coming out about him in August. Ooh. Yeah, so you, you talk about defensive coordinators that are on the hot seat. Now, that guy, that guy right there is – because the offense is doing some things for Texas Tech. I felt bad. I didn't get to watch either one of these games because I was covering TCU game and couldn't – you know, wasn't sitting on the comfortable couch at home. So, I didn't get to flip back and forth. But I did see the Hal Presley – play where he was mauled in the end zone by the Utah defender that that uh, I felt bad for how I was one of the first guys to ever see how in person because he was at a TCU camp was a really good receiver um but yeah he he got hosed on that play it should have been pass interference all day long kind of gave me memories of Josh getting mauled in that 2014 game but too soon too soon yeah no kidding um but I, I you know the quarterback for Tech is it Shuck Shuck is that his name yeah Tyler Shuck okay so there's gonna, there's questions right now because you lose you lose a close game like that and he had four turnovers by himself in that game so you start to question he's a he's a he's a leader he's a senior he's a veteran but they also got that kid up there still from Eastland Baron Morton that's a pretty dang good quarterback too so I I really feel like I would not be surprised if you start to see a little bit of a quarterback issue come up here in the next couple of weeks with, with Texas Tech. But, yeah, combined 0-4 is not bad to, to look at for Baylor and Texas Tech. Well, we've got 0-2 Tech, 0-2 Baylor, and we've got 1-1 Houston, who the Frogs travel to this weekend. So let's camp out on this. Let's go ahead and talk about Rice and Houston and then maybe what we think we're going to see when we go down to Houston this Saturday night. But in double overtime for the Bayou Bucket there at Rice Stadium, which – at one time hosted a Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. Uh, Rice wins 40, uh, I think it's 43-42 in double overtime. Uh, I was uh, 
or 43-41. I was impressed with Rice. I mean, I was just flipping back and forth and seeing highlights, but I was really glad for JT Daniels to actually have a night where he felt like he could shine. I was glad to see Houston lose. Dana is, is on the hot seat. Uh, what, what do you think is going to be the mindset of the Cougars when the Frogs come down there this Saturday night? Man, I wish I would have seen that game as well. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Houston's having a lot of trouble. They were losing, what, 28-0 at one point in this game? Jamie yeah, and I it was 28 nothing, and they did come storming back. So, you know, Houston's got some offensive weapons. They've got a good quarterback. They've got some good receivers. Um, obviously, defense is going to be the huge question mark for them. So, this is this is the game where I kind of I kind of feel like we're going to see what Kendall Browse can do as an offensive play caller because – we know Houston's defense has major holes in it, whether it's in the secondary run defense. I haven't dove in yet, haven't seen how they scored, but if JT Daniels is throwing for 400 yards against them, obviously they got some major, major issues in that secondary. They're going to be pumped up for this game. It's going to be a home game, first Big 12 game, playing against TCU. Night game at home. Yeah, and Houston's like the Texas Tech of the South. Weird things happen down there, so – Weird things happen in Houston in general. Sorry, you guys that are from Houston, but I just don't like Houston, period. Um, but I, I really feel like TCU should be able to move the ball on offense. Um, hopefully you get that running game more established this week. But I feel I feel a big game coming up for Chandler Morris this week. Yeah, obviously Houston has some problems. Uh, no pun intended there. Houston has some problems on the defensive side of the ball. And but I also think Dana knows he's coaching for his life, so I wouldn't be surprised if if they make some changes. If they say let's let's go with the younger, more talented guy and see what he can do, because the guy that's got a little more experience is obviously not uh, making it work. So I think the frogs will have a good chance to win next weekend. But it's going to be interesting, you know, that first home night game as a member. Of, I mean, in, for opening Big Twelve play, this is a game a lot of their fans have been waiting for since since nineteen ninety six when the when the Southwest Conference split up. So we'll. I think it was interesting that they gave TCU as their opening draw, too. I know that was intentional. So maybe coming off of last year's season, they thought, well, this will be a good crowd. They get TCU at home. They get Texas at home. So I know we got a lot of Frog fans in Houston, the city that you hate. So hopefully get out, they can get out there and, and cheer on the Frogs to a victory. All right. We have to talk about it, Jeremy. Texas looked really dang good. Texas looked really good. And that was the worst I've that I think that's the last I mean I don't remember the last time Nick Saban had a double digit loss, but they they got beat. So 34-24, Texas over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I know obviously you didn't get to watch this game and I I didn't see a ton of it, but just the narrative itself, it's changed a lot. So Obviously, there was a reason Texas was the preseason favorite to win the Big 12. I think that's probably a wise prediction, other than you and I predicting TCU to win the Big 12, which is still money, man. We can still live up to our 11-1 prediction. But Texas is not back, but Texas beat Alabama, and that was a statement. Yeah, another game I didn't watch, um, just because I don't like Texas. But I will respect that they won down in Alabama, because that is – only the second loss for Alabama at home in like almost the last 60 games. I mean, it's something like they're like 58 and two or something. Yeah. They lost to burrow. Yeah. And LSU then, in 2019. Right. Yeah. And I think they lost, I think they lost to Auburn. They lost an Auburn game in there somewhere. Gus beat them at some point. They don't lose very much in Tuscaloosa. 
Um, Quinn Ewers looked like he had a pretty good stat line. Xavier Worthy looked like he had a pretty good stat line. They don't run the football very well, um, but it looks like Quinn's throwing the football um, at a pretty solid rate right now. Jatavian Sanders, which we all knew was his favorite receiver last year, we all knew, hey, cover Sanders and you're going to stop Quinn. But I, I really feel like they did a, a, a pretty good job against Alabama's defense because Alabama's defense is not – they're not bad, and to score 34 points against them on the road is it's pretty eye-opening. It's pretty impressive, and I'll say this, man. they might, Alabama might have issues at quarterback because Jalen Milrow, I don't – and they're so, they're so – what's the word I'm looking for, for for Alabama fans? They're just – they're so used to having a good quarterback, and, and I'm not saying Jalen is a bad quarterback, but he's – he doesn't live up to the expectations that they've had for those other quarterbacks I mean, before. They've got Jalen Hurts to Tua to Mac Jones to Bryce Young. How would you like to be number five in that list? All four of those guys playing in the NFL, right? And don't all of them start? I believe so. I don't did, watch a lot of NFL, but I think they do. Did Bryce Young get the job at Carolina? I have no clue. Well, Frog fans, no answer that for us because we want to know about. Alabama former quarterbacks. But yeah, Texas. Uh, Texas was impressive. I'm, I'm not going to lie, and I had to. I had to endure probably about 20 text messages from my Texas buddies um, during the game, and that's the most agitating thing I have to. I have to deal with is every time Texas is good, I get the hookums, I get this, I get that, I get the Facebook stuff, and yeah, it it it's unbearable sometimes, but. The game I was most impressed with is the game that I got to watch first snap to last snap. You know what game that was, Jeff? That had to be Azel Christian. No, we got hammered. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, up, up in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Because you want to watch to see how good – if you lose to a team, you want to see, okay, are they are they legit? And everyone was kind of wondering – is this Colorado team legit? What did what did you did you watch this game? And if so, what did you think about it? You know, I did watch this game, but I did have to get one comment in going back to Texas real quick. Um, can you imagine the mad run at the White Settlement Walmart right now on UT T-shirts? <laughs> I mean, that place is just the line is out the door. The this, line is out the door. You commented on Facebook, I think on Jeremiah's post or something about that today. And it was at the Walmart or was it someone that was somewhere else? Louisville or the oh, I Walmart's, think I said Keller. Yeah. You know, Keller Keller's too highbrow for that kind of stuff. But White Settlement, that's that's perfect. Uh, you know, the the Walmarts were selling out of burnt orange today, my friend. They were no, I did watch a lot of the Colorado game. I caught I think I caught most of the Colorado game. Uh, Nebraska came out strong. They played hard, and uh, their defense looked pretty good for the first quarter and a half. But at the end of the day, Colorado had better players. They had better coaches. They had a better scheme. And Shador Sanders is a top quarterback in the country right now. He played well. Uh, he's got to get the ball out a little bit quicker. I think he. I think he holds on to the ball. Uh, onto the ball. I saw that, and then I heard a couple people commenting that are smarter than me. So I was like, "Oh, I think I'm on to something here." He's got to get get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. But it, the game was never really in question after about ten minutes into the game. So, what if you're a frog fan? By golly, you need Colorado to just keep winning. I mean, I don't want to sit here and and map out what 
projections we could be dealing with late in the season. We just need to figure out how to beat Houston. But Colorado winning is only good for TCU. It's only good for TCU. And TCU looked 10 times better than Nebraska did with Matt Rule. So that should give you at least some level of assessment going forward. And the Frogs, Frogs were at the great disadvantage of not having tape of the actual team playing together. And obviously, uh, Rules team had that, and they still they still lost uh, decisively. That's what I was about to tell you. And, and I talked to a lot of folks before the game uh, yesterday, and we were talking about Colorado. Hey, Colorado might be for real. I mean, they they dominated Nebraska. And, and I saw some of the comments, oh, Nebraska's defense is playing so much better than TCU. Gosh, TCU looks terrible. Comments from on our side. And I was, I was thinking, you know, what TCU had to watch was about on film was about 500 feet long. What Nebraska had to watch was about 10 feet long. And I say that because you just mentioned it, Jeff. They had one game film to watch. Of course, they knew how to defend those quick passes better now. They watched the film. They knew exactly what made Shador click. And so they're gonna they were gonna try to get him off his game a little bit. Obviously, it didn't help too much because he still threw for 393. He's averaging like 451 per game. So he's obviously way up there in the Heisman discussion right now. I think two weeks of football, you've got to mention him as the top two, three guy, if not the top guy. Um, yeah, one one other thing here real quick. I think Colorado put a touchdown on at the very end that Nebraska – I mean, that Colorado – Nebraska put a touchdown on when Colorado basically had their cheerleaders in there playing defense. Let's not forget the Frogs put up 42. The Frogs also – left 17 points on the field. So let's just make that 10. They should have had 52 points in that game easily. And so we look at Nebraska's offense. They didn't do anything. You look at the TCU offense. Hey, we know that we can put points up against the top, what's probably going to be a top fifth, top 12 team after they beat Colorado State next week. They got game day and big noon both going to Boulder this weekend. I mean, they're, they're people hate to say it, but they're the talk of college football right now. Dion. Coach Prime has done what he said he's going to do. He's going to make them the talk of college football, and, and, and through two weeks he has. But I think if you lined up TCU-Nebraska, if you want to really talk about, you know, which team would be better, I think TCU beats Nebraska by three three or four touchdowns. I, I really do. I, I, I feel like Nebraska is in a world of hurt right now. Their quarterback right now is so bad. Oh, Sims is uh, so bad. Oh, my gosh. He's he's just as bad as Texas Tech's quarterback with turning over the ball. But the bad thing about uh, Sims is, you know, he doesn't have the skill positions that Texas Tech has. You know, despite the four turn- turnovers that Shuck had, Sims, he's mainly a running quarterback. He doesn't have he doesn't have the greatest of arms. He, he doesn't make the greatest of, of decisions. So he's if you get if you get up by fourteen on Nebraska, you you pretty much call it a game because their offense is going to struggle trying to get get back in it. But yeah, I was I was really impressed with not only like the offense, but as you mentioned, the defense. They gave up a late touchdown, had all their backups in, but they held Nebraska to seven points, and that was impressive. A week after allowing five hundred forty-one yards to TCU. What what was Nebraska's total line, Jeff? Do you know what it was? Their total offense? I do not know. No. Or do you want me to look it up right now? You're faster at Google than I am. I am. I have a I have an iPhone, unlike some people I know, and I can pull it up here real quick. Here, let's go. We're riffing. I am moving to. Oh, let's go to the. 
Gosh darn it. We are professionals at this. I'm clearly the professional. Pac-12. Colorado. Stats. Nebraska had 222 yards total. Uh, no, they had uh, 341 yards total offense. So 200 yards less than what TCU had. Yeah, 200 yards less. Yeah. And Colorado had nine penalties for 80 yards. Hey, they were less disciplined against Nebraska than they were against TCU. They basically had to play a perfect game against TCU to win. TCU had to have all those mistakes happen, and they still lose by three. So I still I still say we won't know what this team is for another two or three weeks for TCU. I agree. Interesting. This is a great this is where this is what we'll close on. This is a great opportunity to build. We've got Houston. We got SMU at home. We've got West Virginia at home. These are the games you have to win. These are the games where you have to improve. This is the game where you get more comfortable running the ball, where Chandler gets more comfortable getting the ball downfield, where Chandler gets more comfortable running the ball himself. And if those things can develop and we can actually get a pass rush and our secondary be competent, that sets the frogs up for the second for the, for the next half of the season. So we'll see what comes of it from here. But Frog fans, Saturday, uh, Saturday night, 7 o'clock on Fox. TCU's kicking off at Houston. Uh, we're going to learn a lot more. We're going to learn more about Houston. We're going to learn more about TCU. We'll see how everything shakes out. Jeremy, got anything? Clo- uh, get any closing words before we wrap up this episode of the Frogcast? No, I'm all talked out, man. You did a great job tonight, Jeff. Oh, thank, thank you. That means a lot to me. I'm going to take that and frame that and put it on my wall. I appreciate you saying that. Everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com. Jamie Plunkett and Jeremy Clark will keep you plugged in, updated with everything that's going on, not just football. Jamie's out there with some baseball and some basketball info. I know you all wish that we could, that we could talk about this stuff. Well, guess what? We don't know enough to talk about it. But Jamie knows everything about it, and he is plugged in. If you want good content of what's going on in all three of the major sports, Jeremy and Jamie have you pl- have you taken care of. And if you haven't already, of course, subscribe to hornfrogblitz.com on your – I mean, subscribe to the Frogcast on your podcasting app of choice. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Wherever you're looking for your place to catch the Frogcast, please subscribe. And let's somebody know about it let everybody know that this is a good place to come in for tcu football content i have a feeling this is going to be an anxious season and you're going to need some people to process this with there's no better place than uh than the frogcast to be able to do that so until we get together again thanks so much for listening to this episode